This is Reflections of the Lighthouse, a podcast sharing the hope of the gospel for those struggling with life-altering addictions. If you'd like more information about the Lighthouse and the services they provide, visit biblicallliferecoverycenter.com. And now, here are your hosts, Brandon Bauer and Dwayne Modlin. Well, welcome to Reflections of the Lighthouse. I'm here with Pastor Dwayne Modlin, and we're talking about confession as part of healing today. Now, if you don't know about the Lighthouse, we are a 28-bed men's residential program, and we help people walk through the healing process of addictions. And we also have a biblical counseling program where we help the community who are struggling with life-altering issues walk through healing, and a big part of that's confession. But I wanted to start the the program by saying we also understand that there are some really deep hurts out there, some things that people are really struggling with, and we don't want to negate that, that deep hurt. But we also want to say that with all of those deep hurts comes some sort of confession on our part. Now, it's not easy. It's not fun we understand that that sometimes we need help guiding ourselves through that process. So if you've never reached out to the Lighthouse and you have some deep hurts that you want to deal with, please call us at our office number, 260-255-6413. And if you're not in the Fort Wayne area, my recommendation is Google Biblical Counselor and find someone who can help walk you through this confession process. But Dwayne, we wanted to get started here. Yep. One of our favorite passages, 1 John 1, nine. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So talk with me about confession as part of healing. Well, sin wounds. Uh, s- scripture's pretty clear on that. And we all struggle with sin. Uh, believers alike. Actually, that text that you just quoted, Brandon, is written to believers. Uh, John understood that we all struggle with sin, uh, and we hurt people, and people hurt us because we live in a broken, sin-filled world. And confession helps us heal, even of our hurts, but also of the hurts that we've created for others. We begin to confess. We begin to walk through the process of healing. And Christ begins to lift the guilt and the suffering and the anguish that we've been through from those things. One of just a beautiful scene, Jesus is hanging on the cross, and he's in between two thieves. One of the thieves is cursing Jesus, and the other one, says, what are you doing? This man has done nothing wrong. We're here because we deserve it. Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, will you please remember me? And what does Jesus tell him, Brandon? He says, tonight you will be with me. Yeah, in paradise. You're going to be with me in paradise. This man confessed that he was a sinner and that he was receiving justly what he deserved. And yet he cried out to Jesus, and Jesus immediately offers this man forgiveness and healing. So you will sin against God and against others until the day you die. Yes. And we need a way to deal with that sin 
And that's where confession comes in. Mm -hmm. As a Christian, all of our past, present, and future sins have been forgiven. So if our sins have been forgiven, why do we need to confess? We need to understand that we are forgiven positionally, that we have been positionally made right with God. One of my favorite verses is Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are saved. But what sin does in the believer's life, it doesn't take away their salvation. What it does is begin to block their fellowship with this righteous and holy God. Uh, We've been justified, yes. We are saved, yes. And, And you can think of being in a courtroom, uh, because justification is a law term in the Scriptures. It's a legal term. And you, you think that you're standing before the judge. That can be God. And then there's the prosecutor. Well, that's the enemy. And he has a long list of all your sins. And there are your sins, all right. You did those things. And he's standing there accusing you before God. And here comes your defense attorney. Jesus Christ, and you tell him, yeah, I did those things. What do I need to do? And Jesus stands up and goes, I paid the price for every one of those sins. And God goes, you're innocent. That's really powerful, especially to the guys that we serve who, who most often have been in jail and have had to stand before a judge. And when we confess... He is faithful and just. To forgive. Yeah. It's such amazing promise. But it cost him something to offer us this forgiveness, Brandon. Uh, It cost him his son. Jesus Christ left heaven, the son of the living God, left heaven and became the man Jesus Christ and lived that sinless life that we were called to live. And then he died a sinner's death, even though he was sinless in our place. So the judgment of God fell on Jesus so it would not fall on us. So it cost God dearly to forgive us. Scripture calls that a perfect substitute. Yes. Uh, Propitiation. It's a a big word. Yeah, propitiation, a perfect substitute. If we really understand that we are what we affectionately call at the lighthouse low-down, dirty-dog sinners— If we understand we're low-down, dirty-dog sinners and that we deserve hell, which is eternal punishment, separation from God, but God has made a way for us to avoid that through, through the gift of his Son. If we can really understand that my sin has been replaced by my Savior, Mm -hmm. it gives me a, a new stance, a new thought about confession. It's not a... I have to do this because mom said so or dad said so. It's a, I want to do this because I love my Savior so dearly. And I don't want that broken fellowship between me and him. And we see even the natural consequences of sin in our lives. We naturally, we pray less. We read our scriptures less. We'll pull away from the people of God. We'll pull away from the things of God when we begin to have those unconfessed sins in our lives, those sins we refuse to deal with because that fellowship is being broken. But yet Christ was broken so we wouldn't have 
broken fellowship with God. And we can confess that sin to our Savior, and he will forgive because he paid the price for that forgiveness. So not only did he send a son to die in our place, not only has he provided a way for restoring our fellowship, he's also given us power mm-hmm. through the Holy Spirit. He's, he's given us a helper, a help meet, who's going to assist us in our lives. Would you talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit's power in the believer, specifically when it comes to confession? Yeah. First thing, John writes some of what Jesus says about the work of the Holy Spirit in chapter 16, um, starting in verse 5. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage. Now, the disciples probably are asking the question, how in the world is it to our advantage that you're leaving us, Jesus? I I mean, you're the Messiah. You're, You're the one that was promised throughout the scriptures, and you're here now. Uh, how is it to our advantage that you're leaving? And, and Jesus says, it's to your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So it's to our advantage, number one, that the Holy Spirit has come to dwell in us and with us. And Jesus goes on to talk about how he would convict the world of sin and righteousness and that he would guide his people into all truth, uh, that he would take from the Son and give to the Son's people, Jesus' people, all that Jesus had for them. So it's really important that the Holy Spirit is active in the believer's life for that conviction because that conviction tells us, hey, something's wrong. There's some sin in my life that's beginning to break that fellowship with God. And the Holy Spirit comes along and says, hey, we've got to deal with this. Now, that's not condemnation, though. He's not beating you up. He's lovingly telling you, you've got to deal with this sin or it's going to break fellowship and it can bring some disaster in your life. He's warning you because he loves you. So conviction is a sign that the Holy Spirit is active in our life. Yes. Often we see in our work with uh, people that struggle with drugs and alcohol or other other addictive substances, food, um, workaholism, whatnot. Sex, yep. anything. We, we find that they have this spirit's conviction, but they don't want to change, so they seek to numb it. Yes. Let's, let's go get high so I don't have to deal with the pain of being convicted. It makes sense. I understand that. Yeah. There are times where I want to run from the Holy Spirit's conviction. What happens when we consistently do this? then that fellowship is consistently being broken with God and that sin puts a barrier in between me and my relationship with God. It's not that I'm not saved. It's that 
that fellowship is broken and God is saying, you're going to go your way, go your way, but you're going to live with the consequences of going your way. I'm trying to warn you. I'm trying to help you because that sin is leading you to destruction. And I love you enough to warn you. And when we try to numb that through other things, we try to cover up that conviction, then we are telling God, I don't want you. And society right now has a habit of numbing sin. Yes. They go to the doctor, he'll give you something for that. I remember uh, one of my wife's last checkups with my baby daughter, who's now 14. Yeah. The the OB said, oh, do you need some depression pills? And my wife is like, I'm not depressed. She's like, oh, everyone takes them. And It's dangerous. And, and we looked at each other and like, we need to change doctors. The, there is such a, a cultural habit of let's just take pills so we feel better sometimes we're designed to not feel good because we need to change things in our life now i'm not negating the the legitimate depression anxiety all of those things there are times where we need a doctor's intervention Mm -hmm. but too often we are just numbing conviction because we need to change something in our life yeah it's amazing to me most of the time when i got the most emails from church members through the years is when I've preached a hard message and I just preached what the text said and there was conviction and automatically some people just put up that buffer there and try to block that but it's it's necessary for our growth uh, for that conviction because that conviction is supposed to lead us to confession that's the whole goal of conviction it's for us to confess that sin to christ and then the holy spirit began to empower us and to help us conquer that thing in our life for sure so i i don't know that you're going to um believe this but but once liz and i fought (laughs) i'm no i don't believe it i'm sure i was at fault we're getting ready to celebrate our 20th anniversary here at the end of this month and so we're excited about that but but when when Liz and I fight, mm-hmm. there's a separation. Yes, and that separation doesn't heal unless we come together and deal with the issue. Yeah. Sometimes it's quick. Sometimes it takes a couple days. Sometimes maybe even longer. Yep. But that confession is part of healing in our relationship. So. While sin separates us from God, it also separates us from others. others. Yes. And we are designed as relational beings. We're, we're created by God to be in relationship with God yes. and with others. And confession is the tool that maintains that fellowship and that relationship. Mm-hmm. Did you know that God desires to be in relationship with us? Absolutely. He wouldn't have sent his son, who became the man, Jesus Christ, to die for us if he didn't, did not want to have relationship with us. And he desires for that relationship to be restored. And that's even for believers who may find themselves having been entangled in a sin that, that just is easy for them to fall into. And they haven't put those boundaries up yet. And that sin is breaking that fellowship. God wants to restore that fellowship with them. And that's why the Holy Spirit 
is active in the believer's life, convicting them of that sin, and then drawing them to the forgiveness of the Savior through confession. Yeah, so I, I'm working with a gentleman from our community who who called randomly and said, I need to talk to someone. And you were out sick, and our other counselor was busy, so so I took on on this this talk with this community member, and, and he said to me, I am struggling with pornography, and it is destroying my relationship with God. Yes. He said, I don't even know that I'm saved. And I was smiling because if you're struggling that something's destroying your relationship with God, you, you, you are a believer and God's convicting you. Yes. So we put some things into place and we're, we're meet, meeting later today and he's excited about entering community where he has been held accountable. Now, sadly, in in the past, he, he's asked his spiritual leaders at his church and some others to help hold him accountable, and they didn't. Mm-hmm. James talks about confessing our sins to one another. Yes. It, it, it provides accountability. It provides community. I think it's so important. So, so as we're talking about confession as part of healing, we got to talk about confessing one to another as well. Yes. Now, it's not a loosey-goosey, hey, no. oh, there's a guy I knew from high school. I'm going to go tell him about my deepest, Absolutely darkest not. sins. It, it, it's a purposed relationship. It's a, it's a time where I, I develop relationship with someone. I test the waters. But, but let's talk about that, that healing process of confessing one to another. First thing I want to say is you want someone who is spiritual and maybe further along in their journey with Christ than you are and that they are trustworthy, that they are not going to uh, spread your name and talk about what you've done and, and, and those things. It needs to be a safe place for you to be able to confess. So you need to make sure you have those boundaries there as well. But it helps us to confess our sins because it begins to relieve us of that burden and we can share that burden with another believer that can help us carry that burden. This is why the local church is so important in the believer's life is because we help one another. That's what we're called to do, to support one another, to help carry that burden and to hold one another accountable to the confession of faith. You mean sitting at home watching TV church doesn't work? No, it does not. Uh, What I have found is people who refuse to be in fellowship, personal fellowship with other believers, end up developing a narcissistic faith where that faith is all about them and they're the center of the universe. Well, when we live in community and we're doing Uh, life in community, walking with Christ in community, we see that there's other people uh, that are struggling too, that other people are hurting too. We see the joys and the successes and the struggles other people have. And we find out it's not just about me, that God has a large group of people that he loves and that I'm called to be a part of and that can hold me accountable for my profession of faith. It's really easy to get off the path when I'm alone because I've got nobody there saying, hey, there's something going on in your life right now. Can I pray with you? Can we talk? Can we do this to hold me accountable to make sure I'm staying on that path that Christ has for me? Sure. So so something gets in the way sometimes. Yeah. And um, we call it pride. Absolutely. 
And, you know, Scripture says, confess your sins to one another. Scripture says to don't forsake the assembling of yourselves with, yep. with, with fellow believers. Scripture says all of these things, but I don't want to do it. I don't want to talk about my sin. I don't want to open up to that guy. I don't want to be held accountable. What if they hurt me again? What if they What if they share my pain with someone in a, in a bad way? There's a lot of that fear. Mm-hmm. Pride is fed by fear. Let's talk about pride for just a moment. Pride is the original sin. Uh, the enemy being prideful wanted to exalt himself above God, and then God creates humanity and then tells these angelic beings, you're going to serve humanity. These are lesser beings than you, and you're going to serve them. And he says, I'm not having it. No. And pride entered his heart, and he entered the garden, and he wanted to destroy the thing that God loved, humanity. And we see his fall there. And we also see the fall of humanity in the garden where they wanted to get God's wisdom without God. And they thought that they could bypass God and his command and his ways to get what they wanted. And we see how that turned out for Adam and Eve. And it turns out the same for us. Destruction. Yeah. So keeping our pride in check, and that's mostly done in community with other people that say, hey, brother, things aren't right right now. Or the way you spoke with him or her, it it was just rude or obnoxious, Mm -hmm. or maybe you should consider this. Those those are healthy conversations. And if you don't have someone in your life speaking truth at you, you need to find that person. We have to speak truth to ourselves. We have to have other people speaking truth to us mm-hmm. if we're going to maintain that relationship. I'm such a knucklehead, Brandon. Agreed. I'm such a knucklehead because I I often put blinders on mm. to my own uh, sin. I, I'll put those blinders on and I'll act like it's not even there. And this is why it's so important to have other believers in our lives because they help remove those blinders for us, for us to see that area in our life that we have blinded ourselves to. For sure. Okay, um, wrapping things up, I wanted to talk real quick about thankfulness mm-hmm. because thankfulness is, in Scripture, part of confession. Yes. How does, how does an unthankful heart versus a thankful heart affect our confession and our healing? If we're an unthankful people, I, I, just look at the Israelites coming out of Egypt, going into the desert, and what is the first thing they start to do? Complain. Complain and be unthankful. God has done all of this for them. He has set them free from the Egyptians. He is providing food for them, water for them, and all they do is complain and never have great fellowship with God. They wander around the desert for 40 years. It was a five to seven day track that they should have had, but God caused them to wander around in the desert for 40 years. You will wander around in your life wondering what in the world has happened to my life, and you'll be in the middle of a desert, spiritual desert, because of an unthankful 
heart. When we are thankful for what God has done for us, we are quick to run to him for confession and to say, I was wrong. I'm wrong, God. Help me. Yeah, I wonder how many people are listening now that that, that just hit a nerve. Please just take a moment and, and process that and 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 pursue healing yes. through thankfulness. Well, this has been Reflections of the Lighthouse. Thank you, Dr. Dwayne Modlin, for joining us. Next episode, we're going to talk about something a little bit different. We're going to talk about tobacco-free living. Mm-hmm. It is it is a little bit out of our wheelhouse. Yeah, a wheelhouse of, of what we've been talking about. But it is so important. Tobacco is one of those gateway drugs to yes. so many other things. So we're, we think it's important to deal with. We're going to talk about that next episode. But thank you for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you again soon. All right.